are listening to Season 2 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. Oak State, is there anything that's striking uh, your Florida fancy? What if I told you I haven't looked at the card? Brandon Jaggers. Well, there's no pressure. Just the Champagne and Crazy Beautiful. Those are the two that I was looking at. So where do you put, Ralph, who are you picking for the Oaks? And me, C.C. Broadus. <laughs> All right, so, Brandon, um, I would <laughs> like to welcome you back to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, y'all were playing. Everybody, this is CC Broadus for episode 67 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, broadcasting you live from beautiful Bloomfield, Kentucky. I'm joined, as always, by Alan Schneider. And Alan, I'm looking forward later on in the podcast to a complete full report on the St. Louis Derby that takes place on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I've mentioned I did not know there was such a thing as a St. Louis Derby. And now that I know that there is, I'm worried that it's going to really bite into that Travers handle uh, come Saturday. Right. We think 30 Saratoga lose about 30 percent, 40 percent of their handle. <laughs> that day. What do you think? Well, it's a, it's a night night racing. So uh, still, I mean, people are just going to skip Saratoga altogether so they can save their bankroll for those four horse fields at uh, Fandle, Fairmont whatever they call that now. So, but uh, no, I, I can't, there's a lot of, a lot of Ellis jocks are going there for that. So I hope they do well. Brian Hernandez is going there. Chris Landeros, Joe Talamo. Right. So for real, how am far, I right? How far huh? is, it, is it? How far is it from Evansville to St. Louis? Is that like a four hour drive? Uh, no, it's about two, a little over two hours. No, yeah. is that right? Yeah. About two hours. It's about four hours from my house, St. Louis. So it's a uh, Fairmont sits right outside St. Louis, right? Collinsville, Illinois. That's, Illinois. That's, right. That's right. Now it's, it's not Fairmont anymore. It's FanDuel. FanDuel, FanDuel. Horsebook and Casino or something like that. But, so do you have yeah. a selection for the St. Louis Derby? I do not yet, but I will. I will. Okay. That's, that's good to know. I look uh, forward right. to it. Nonetheless, let's move on to our other co-host, the brilliant Brandon Jaggers, Saratoga bound out here. Is that right? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm taking the red eyes uh, Friday morning to make Friday the Friday card. I'm leaving Louisville at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'll be in Albany, New York by 12, 10 p.m. and headed right to the track thereafter. And uh, I'll be back here in Louisville come 1040 a.m. Sunday morning after the Travers. Oh, wow. We're leaving Albany at 6 a.m., so I'm just so thrilled about those times and connections. He's going to miss the flight, isn't he? He's going to miss the flight. Hopefully. A little partying too much in downtown Saratoga Springs the night after, I, but we'll see. Yeah. He gets to stay an extra day. Yeah. And, and, and can I have the floor just one moment? Because we, we yes. made national headlines here in Kentucky recently with our good uh, friendly horse track, Ellis Park. <laughs> uh, as everybody knows, you know, the horse Philly, a, a first-time starter named Bolden Bossy, for I think it's Michael Ann Ewing Racing, uh, you know, ended up hopping, throwing the jock off as she was getting ready to make her race, jumping some guardrail. I don't know how the hell all this happened. I never, never saw anything. I'm not a big fan about Ellis Park right now either. Uh, and the horse was caught six miles going down I-41, so very, very 
thrilling chase, but extremely unfortunate for the horse. I was kind of pissed off about it all for a while, and I just don't like Ellis anymore. So <laughs> I feel bad about this horse, Bold and Bossy, but this horse, the uh, filly, will be coming back to the track, a training track, but then I think returning to a farm and get some R&R, which she deserves. Uh, but the other big part about that night is once she returned and was caught, she was in the receiving barn to be, I guess, shipped back home. Well, the barn ended up taking fire and burning down at Ellis Park. Yeah. Ellis Park, spend some money. <laughs> this place is cheap. So the facilities are terrible. When I was there, there was no Wi-Fi and all the bathrooms were terrible. So I don't Brady, recommend it. Anyway. You complained because the beer was too cold. Well, the beer was good for two dollars. You said it was too cold out. when you were drinking it. This is too Craig, cold. Craig, please don't interrupt me. This is going to get us all the the likes that we want. But remember, Bold and Bossy is going to is doing fine now. She got a little couple burns, but what a terrible, terrible tragedy for this one little horse that I think she's got now a thousand followers or more in a in a Facebook fan page. So <laughs> I didn't know that. Horse next time out. I'll be a big fan supporter, and if there's a GoFundMe, I'll give her fifty dollars for sure. So anyway, turning the mic back over, Ellis Park, put some money in your facilities. You and I don't see eye to eye on a pea patch, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> right now, we we've got a special guest this evening, and I think uh, Alan is going to introduce him right now. Yeah, if I could steal Brandon's thunder for a moment, I'd like to introduce another Brandon. Because tonight we are joined by one of the best young minds in the game, Mr. Brandon Staubel, not Jaggers, Staubel, Mr. Brandon Staubel. In addition to rapidly climbing the ranks to join the Twin Spires crew as a paddock analyst and show host, Brandon has quickly managed to stamp himself as Churchill Downs resident workout expert, and many a better and fan look forward to his reports on the morning works before placing their bets, myself included. Brandon also runs Stobble Thoroughbreds, LLC, a bloodstock purchasing management and consulting company. And perhaps most importantly to us here at the Auxiliary Gate, he is one of the founders of the successful Brilliant Racing Partnership, of which CC, Mr. Jaggers, and myself are now part of as well. And we could not be more thrilled and excited. We're really looking forward to it. So with that Without further ado, Brandon, thank you for joining us. And how are you doing this evening? Before you answer, I know you got a win today for Brilliant, so I'm guessing you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to come on and talk to you guys and uh, for everybody listening. Um, yeah, we're ecstatic. Um, it's been a long time between drinks for, for our horse Eskin for it. Uh, I, I, th- I want to say uh, close to almost two years, but um found the winner circle today at colonial uh, big shout out to michelle lovell who who trains the horse now and uh just uh really happy for the partners um you know anytime you can get a win it's special and um particularly with a horse like this that's been through so much well it's, uh, you, you start off really well by mentioning michelle lovell she's like the auxiliary gate honorary queen slash bff of ours so we're thrilled that she got a win for you guys today too she is tearing it up at colonial downs by the way guys i mean she's uh, She's leading trainer. I think she has like 20 starters and eight wins and six seconds. It's something ungodly, but she did get one big one today for you guys. And uh, so we were all happy about that. And Eskin Ford, it's good to see Eskin Ford get back in the win column. Uh, but turning back to Brilliant Racing real quick, as I said, we we are joining in. We finally wised up and are joining into the partnership. And uh, I've personally always been interested 
But uh, recently, I, I saw, I watched the video. I saw some of the literature that um, Joe and Lee and Brandon sent out, and I was hooked. And so, if you don't mind, maybe you could go in before we get started, talk a little bit about Brilliant, and see why I'm so excited, and why other people should be excited to perhaps uh, look into Brilliant uh, Racing. Sure. Um, you know, about uh, four years ago, maybe just a little bit more than that, um, you know, the three of us got together. We really wanted to um, do something with horse ownership. Uh, Joe and Natalie had been um, kind of talking about it. And then when I started doing more work with Churchill, Joe and myself were, were talking about it and it just kind of made sense. Um, we re- we literally started from from the bottom. I mean, we we um, got everything together ourselves. We We kind of had in mind some trainers we wanted to use. Um, to start out with, um, you know, you talk about Michelle Lovell. I can remember um, from being out there clocking in the mornings, I, I sent her a, actually a message on Twitter before I really ever knew her and, and said, you know, when we finally get horses someday, I want you to be one of our trainers. I just, you know, I like the way you do things. I mean, that's one of the great things about being out there every day in the mornings. You you see every trainer's style. So um, it does give you an idea of maybe where your horses might fit or, or uh, particular horses, whether they're, you know, route horses, turf horses, young horses, old horses, uh, which, which barns they'll probably fit best in. So I, I think that really helped uh, me out and then our partnership out. But, um, you know, we were lucky to begin with. We um, we had a lot of people sign up for the first partnership, a um, couple of, um, of bigger names that, that wanted to um, kind of increase their action in the game. And, um, you know, we had enough money to go to the sales and just buy two horses. So um, we started out, um, you know, pretty small. We, we had a couple of claiming horses that we we went through that didn't really work out very well. Um, we found that our, our niche is kind of with the younger horses and, and developing them and, and getting them to the trainers that can that can get them ready to to win races. Or if we need to back off of them a little bit, I think we do a good job of that as well. So um Brilliant um, really is a family. You know, I think family is a word that that really comes in um, to this partnership. Uh, we're all friends. We enjoy going to the races together. Um, we're, we're very fortunate that uh, we, we definitely get good accommodations when we go to the track. You know, I think that's one thing um, if you ask the people in the group you know, what's, what's one of the top three things that Brilliant does for its members. It's, we usually have pretty decent accommodations at the track and it doesn't matter if it's Churchill. I mean, we, we had a stakes race down at Lone Star Park and and through connections, we were able to get a suite for our members and um, Hmm. same, same, same thing at Ellis. I mean, uh, one of our, our partners with, yes, it's Ginger, um, Mike Utley stepped up and um, when she, uh, when she ran down there, um, they got a suite and, um, you know, it was just, it, it just great. I mean, uh, you know, it's um, just great to have connections like that. And, and I think that's what really separates us maybe from other partnerships. Um, we're very laid back. Um, you know, if you want to come to the track in a, in a suit or, or a blazer, that's good too. Or if you want to show up in, in shorts and a t-shirt, that's fine too. It's whatever fits your style. Um, we just are there to have fun. We're there um, to support each other, support the horses and, and, the bottom line is we just we just love the game and we love watching the horses develop, whether it's through the private Facebook page, whether it's the emails, you know, the uh, morning workouts. Um, most of those are videotaped and sent to the private Facebook page. So, I mean, people have emailed us before, texted us and said, you know, hey, um, really appreciate. I woke up this morning and had a big smile on my face because I saw um, you put out the workout for Yes, It's Ginger right away. They like getting the notifications. So, um, you know, like I said, family is, is a big thing that um, it's important to us at Brilliant Racing. And 
it's something we want to continue with. Yeah, just so we should be clear, whatever I should have mentioned, it's Joe Christofek uh, of uh, Churchill Downs fame. And Natalie's last name is Giles, correct? Uh, it's Natalie right. Gills. Uh, I with, apologize, with, Natalie. No, it's fine. No, uh, it's with one L because I know that because uh, if you uh, register with uh, Kentucky, you know, they keep an eye on that kind of stuff. You misspell uh, one letter or, or uh, somebody's name, they, they will let you know. They'll nail you, huh? But uh, that, that's one of the things I going through everything and watching your videos that I think it struck me the most. And you tell me if I'm wrong about this. In addition to you guys doing the homework and having an excellent game plan, there's a passion. There's a passion Joe has about this. I can I can see. And and, and with your, yourself and Natalie, uh, I mean, you really do care about this. This is something you guys really have invested both your time, your money and your emotion in. Correct. Oh, I mean, most definitely. I mean, um you know, this is something that we, we care about. I mean, it's kind of like our baby. I mean, like I said, we started this from the, from the ground up, um, fortunate to bring so many different people in. And, um, I think too, I mean, you know, if you guys have ever been to the sales, I mean, they're tough. Um, yeah. you know, we've, um, you know, I bought it, um, you know, yearling sales, uh, weanling say, you know, no Keeneland, November, Keeneland, January, uh, Ocala, two-year-old sales. I mean, you got to do your homework, you got to get on the ground. You got to look at horses. And um, if you don't really enjoy the work, if you just kind of like it, then I feel like you're not going to be at that top level. I mean, you might get lucky every now and then, but um, it is very tiring, both mentally and physically to um, walk those sales grounds and look through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of horses, sometimes thousands of horses um, in a couple of days. And, um, that's, I think, what separates us from from a lot of people, too, is that we really enjoy the work. We almost kind of thrive on, uh, you know, getting out there at 630 and, you know, starting to look at the horses and, you know, going back to the hotel, analyzing workouts or analyzing pedigrees. So, um, you know, Joe, Natalie and myself, we both bring uh, we all three bring different dynamics to the table. And um, that really helps us out a lot, too, because we can bounce ideas off of each other, uh, especially in ways that maybe, you know, I could say to Joe or Natalie, OK, um, you brought this opinion. I didn't really think like that before, but it makes sense. So let's try that. You know, I mean, that's um, that's something that's kind of unique, too. We just all three have different backgrounds. And, and when you put them all together, it, it really creates something special. And this go around, you're, you're looking for yearlings, right, along with maybe claiming a couple to race. In the meantime, is that is that that's the goal this time? Yeah. So the first three partnerships, we um, it, it was a lot easier to go to a two-year-old sale, try to find some horses that were, would hopefully be pretty um, early developers and, and be ready to race. What we kind of found um, through buying the horses is that um, yes, you can get that for sure, but a lot of the time, you know. It, it, it's a business, right? So um, a lot of these horses are bought as yearlings and uh, what's called pin hooked. So basically they're right. bought as yearlings and they're, and they're taken to a two-year-old sale to try to make a profit, to try to sell for more than what they bought it. So um, there's a lot of what I would call like squeezing of the lemon, you know, you mentally and physically. So they're trying to get them to go an eighth of a mile or a quarter of a mile as fast as possible in order to bring top dollar. So mm -hmm. what we were kind of finding was that, um, you know, we were finding some good horses, but they were needing time off. They were needing, um, you know, whether it was mentally or physically, um, they may have had issues here and there. Um, we want to be more in control of how the horses are developed. So we've been doing this for long enough. We feel, we feel comfortable about this. 
Um, we want to take them and basically win their yearlings and then have more control about how they're raised up into the races, you know, give them the time they need mentally where they're not pushed into um, trying to go to a sale right away to try to uh, make someone some money. Um, the other thing is, is that come to find out that, you know, we're looking at the same horses or, or at least I'm when I'm at the yearling sales and I'm going up to sign a card to pull some horses out. I'm looking to my left, to my right. It's it, the pin hookers are right next to me. So we're looking at the same horses. They're buying the horses. And then eventually we're paying for the horses uh, two and three times more than what we could have got them for at a yearling sale. Right. So um, it just made a lot more sense to us. Uh, we've got a, um, a relationship, a very good relationship with a gentleman named Tom McCrocklin down in Ocala, Florida. Um, we plan on sending, um, you know, as many as we can down to him. Uh, he's a big help to us. He does things the right way. Um, the Foley's, you know, if we team up with them to do a horse or, or two, they um, they use some people in Ocala. They also send some horses to South Carolina. But um, the, the biggest thing is letting these horses develop at the rate they need to. And, and that's why we wanted to move away from two-year-olds a little bit. I'm not saying we would never go to a two-year-old sale again, but we, we want to try this avenue because we think it could be a little more successful. Yeah, you, you you had me at that. When you said Greg Foley, Michelle Lovell, then you talked about the yearlings I was in. So I'm excited uh, for it. But a moment ago, you talked, you mentioned a horse that I know you'd like to talk about. I know Joe would like to talk about. And it's a fun horse to watch run. And it's probably the star of your, uh, I would guess it's the star of your partnership thus far. And that would be Yes, It's Ginger. You got to tell the folks a little bit about Yes, It's Ginger before we get going on to this workout stuff. Sure. Yeah. She, um, extremely special. I mean, they're all special, you know, um, talent wise, she's, she's shown that she's very special. She's the first horse we ever bought, uh, $40,000 purchase at the 2018 Ocala sale. Um, she was, uh, consigned. So she was sold by the same people that, um, raised Zenyatta. So we mm. knew, um, from them, from the Mayberry consignment, uh, we, we knew that, um, you know, probably coming from this consignment that we were getting a good horse, you know, they had nothing but good things to say about her, obviously. I mean, you know, most, most of the consigners do, but um, they, they felt really genuine when they were telling us that um, she took a, a lot of time to get to the races, but the key thing is we gave her that time. And, and, you know, if she may have been somewhere else, they, they maybe would have rushed her and um, she may not have made it at all. Um, you know, there were different things early on that just kept her from going. We use, um, uh, here in, in Kentucky at um, LaCroix Rehab in LaGrange, Kentucky, we um, work with a woman named Del Lowell who does an outstanding job. And um, she had Ginger um, a couple different times, but she, from the moment Ginger came in, she just said, you know, this is a, this is a really nice filly. And, um, you know, you guys just need to give her the time she needs. She'll tell us when she's ready. And, and that's kind of the philosophy we lived by with not only her, but, but all of our horses. And um, eventually she made it to the races. Um, she ran a couple of good races. She started with Michelle Lovell. Um, and then after, I think, I think it was her fourth race, she got injured. Um, she had a, a little issue with her knee and um, she needed surgery. We actually, believe it or not, we, um, we did the surgery and then, um, Money wise, you know, we just um, we were getting close to, um, you know, just needing to make a decision on her. We came very close to selling her. Uh, we tried to reach out to different partners. Uh, we were actually going to enter her in, a, in the July phase of uh, horses of racing age sale and um, just hope to get as much as we could for her. But um, 
you know, uh, luckily out of the blue, um, Joe just kind of, Joe Christofek just kind of reached out to um, the Foley's, Travis Foley, Greg Foley, and, you know, just see if they were interested, maybe go down and take a look. So Greg went to LaCroix where she was at and uh, took a look and uh, they liked what they saw. And they had another partner, Mike Utley, who um, is uh, big down at Ellis Park and who's been a great uh, member of our team. And um, they took a shot. They, they bought half of her. And, um, you know, the, obviously they were going to get the horse to train. So we felt really bad taking the horse away from Michelle, but I, I think everybody kind of understood that's kind of how the business works. Right. You know, you, you know, we want to keep the horse with Michelle, but if the, you know, if, if, you know, obviously the Foley's are going to come in then they're going to get the horse and, um, you know, we were prepared to, once she got to the track and she started training, you know, we, we thought, okay, let's be aggressive. We want to win. We want our members to win. Um, let's run her for 30 and, and, and see. And, you know, after about two workouts, Travis fully kind of told us, look, we're not running this horse for 30. She's training like a special weight horse. And uh, so, you know, that was great news for us. And, and you know, boy, were they right. Um, she she broke her maiden, you know, at Ellis and then came back and won the allowance at Ellis. And um, from there on out, um, She's just proven to be really special. Really, this year, she's kind of taken things to a whole new level, uh, particularly in her last two starts. Uh, she is just uh, mentally and physically just she just knows her job. She's got speed and uh, she'll run on on turf or dirt. We, you know, personally kind of feel like the turf is her game and five furlongs, five and a half is kind of her game. She she likes a firm turf course. And, and I think those are all things that, that you have to try to figure out, you know, trainers try to figure that stuff out. Um, brilliant racing tries to figure that out i think that's something we do a good job of we want to try to really see what our our horses are meant to do um i think that's where we've we've had some success you know you're not right every time but um you try to you try to narrow it down as soon as you can um the last like i said the last two starts i mean back-to-back stakes wins she's she's run 92 buyers in the last two starts and and really both races were very easy so um we're just we're just thrilled. I mean, you know, you hope to you hope to get a horse like this someday. And, um, you know, I'm just just happy that our partners um, could do it in the first partnership. And just the fact that we came close to selling her. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, Del Lowell, who I talked about at LaCroix, had sent a message out. And I think she posted on Facebook that, you know, Ginger is now rewarding us for the time that we gave her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I thought that was I thought that was pretty special. And, um, you know, kind of makes it you know, it's a little emotional. I mean, we get tied to these horses pretty good. And um, even just talking about it right now, you know, it kind of kind of gives you kind of a, a fuzzy little feeling, a little tingly. Choke you up because, a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, they mean, they mean so much to you. And um, I always tell people to when you're getting into partnerships, you know, you got to you got to get into the partnership that fits you best. So if you're the type of person where you kind of want to see that revolving door and, and you want fast action and you don't really want to get to know the horses that well, then then you probably need to get into like a claiming partnership and maybe stay away from two year olds or, or, or babies in general. Um, but if you if you genuinely like going to visit your horses, you like watching them train, you like, um, you know, seeing them get to the races and see the potential that's there, then, you know, a partnership like Brilliant Racing is what it's all about. Oh, yeah, it sounds right. Brandon Jagger's alley. That's that sounds like Brandon to a T. Yeah, Brandon, it's, it's but, you know, it's not fast action and it may take months. It may take a year. And this next partnership, it's going to take quite a while. And. You know, a lot of a lot of horses I don't think should even race it as as two year olds, but they have to because of the business side. 
And I think Brilliant is given the right perspective and the right trajectory per each individual horse as to what they can do in the time that they're ready to do it in. So, and the other thing I think, Brandon, if you, you know, the, the transparency I think is even better. So it's not, you're not like a typical partnership because I've been in several. Uh, Y'all's transparency is great. There's financials, there's things that seem to all come together. So uh, the podcast is excited to join as a, as a, the small shareholder, but maybe more in the, in the coming years. And, yes. Uh, we know it's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, buying yearlings is always tough and those sales are incredible, but we're, we're glad that you got your feet on the ground there and going through the right books and, and knowing what we can do and can't do. So uh, very excited. Yeah, no, and I, and you kind of hit um, a good point there. I mean, um, w- you know, it, with anything, as you gain experience, you you get wiser, and and you you can kind of cut down on some of the time that you would spend in other areas. Maybe, um, you know, you brought up the the right books, for example. You know, there were times early on when we're, you know, you're trying to buy a horse, and um, you go up there, and and you think the horse is going to go for forty, and it ends up going for one twenty. You know, and I mean, you're just you're spending all that time on a horse, which you know other people may have could have told you, you know, Hey, this, you're not going to be able to get this horse. Well, now, you know, you have, we have that figured out. So it does cut down on time a a lot. Um, you know, we have a good idea of what, what stallions we can get, uh, you know, what's the, you know, how big's the pedigree, because that's usually, you know, what you're going to, you're going to base the price on, you know, if it's got a, if the dam has produced six stakes winners, then, you know, you, you know, at, at a budget of maybe anywhere from, you know, 40 to 80,000, you know, you're probably not going to be able to touch the horse. Um, so I, I think, uh, like I said, you brought up a good point. Um, you just know to, to take your, your business to another horse and, um, the transparency too is big. You know, we, um, we do send out monthly statements. Um, the, the best thing is that we're accessible, you know, I mean, Joe, Natalie, myself, um, at any point, we always tell the members this, so, you know, you guys have our numbers, We've got the email. We've got the private Facebook page. We're on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I mean, every kind of social media at any point, if there's any question, you know, you're going to get a response pretty quickly. Uh, We have members that text us all the time and want to know, you know, hey, you know, so and so hasn't worked in a in, you know, eight or 10 days. You know what's going on? And, And we can sit there and I can, you know, most of the time I've got the answer right there. If I don't have the answer. You know, I've got Travis Foley's number. I'm texting him right away. I've got Michelle. I'm texting her right away um, because we believe in that. I mean, who wants to be in a partnership where you don't know what's going on? I mean, it, to me, that's just not any fun at all. Yeah, and, and having videos of workouts, I mean, that's insane. I got to show yeah, up so, at 5.30 in the morning, and I'll be <laughs> honest. I'm not good on Fridays and Saturdays at 5.30 in the morning. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough gig. Um you know, we're lucky. Um, uh, Michelle sends us a lot of videos, which this is really cool, too. Michelle is on horseback. Um, you know, a lot of the trainers, a, a mix of trainers, some will be in the stands, some will be on the backside. Michelle is one of the trainers that actually goes out on pony, her, her famous pony Elwood um, during during training, the whole training period. So she'll send us workout videos from the pony and it just gives you a different perspective or she'll send us um, not even workout videos. We get gallop videos all the time. Uh, for example, today, um, Travis, just a, a, we have named Busy Echo, who hopefully is going to run on Sunday at Ellis. And um, before her last race, she didn't run very well, but she freaked out in the paddock. So he sent us a video of her coming back from the paddock, you know, asking the uh, exercise rider how she did. And 
you know, that stuff's cool. We post that immediately to the Facebook page. Um, yeah, I mean, the workouts, at, especially at Churchill, um, you know, usually somebody is there to um, to get the workouts with times and um, even go back to the barn afterwards and, and, you know, get some video of the horses cooling out, maybe, you know, see what the trainer or the jock, you know, several times we've had a, you know, maybe one of the jocks, whether it's, uh, you know, um, Brian Hernandez or, or Mena or somebody, you know, who worked the horse, he's still back there. We can kind of get some feedback from him. So um, it's, it really is kind of like a behind the scenes look, um, particularly for our partners that don't live near Churchill or, or maybe when the horses go to New Orleans, they don't live near New Orleans. They feel like they can really be there and still get the same experience. Yeah, Great that's point. cool. That's cool. Well, hey, if we could switch gears for a second here, if it's okay. Um, I mean, interrupt you, Brandon. No. Brandon Jaggers. But we've got a we've got a workout guru here with us in, in Brandon Staubel. And uh, it seems like a pretty good out of time to maybe pick his brain a little bit uh, about how he looks at workouts in the morning and stuff. I think, you know, whether you're a, a casual guy, a hardcore guy, or someone brand new to the game, the whole workout thing can be a little bit intimidating, a little bit confounding. And if you don't mind, Brandon, uh, could you maybe share uh, some of the some of the more basic yet important things right off the bat that come to mind to you first when analyzing them works just for, for a beginner, someone who's really not that familiar with how to analyze uh, workouts in the morning? Sure. Um, you know, I think you can kind of start out breaking it down into um, maybe two different um, segments or um, different ways of looking at it. So um, let's take a horse, for example, that's working solo. So we say working solo by himself. Um, the thing I would be looking for, you know, not only are we keeping time, but time's just kind of one piece of it. You want to know how they're doing it. So, you know, are they all out? Are they, um, you know, are the ears pricked and they're just completely alert and they're just doing it so easily? So a horse is working solo. We're looking at the time, but we're also looking to it at how the horse is moving, how much encouragement. Um, one thing to really pay attention to um, that I think uh, is very easy is to watch uh, the rider's hands. So and, and kind of watch it from their elbows to their hands and see how much movement is there. If the hands are very quiet, um, the, the rein is is tight, but uh, the, the jock's not moving his hands very much, his or her hands very much. Um, the horse is doing it easy. No encouragement. And then um, I'll give bonus if something like that appears and then you've got a great time. You know, if, if the horse works 46 and change for a half mile, which is a very fast time and the rider was a statue the whole time. Then, then that's a really strong work, obviously. But if it's a 46 and change work and the horse went, you know, 22 for the first quarter, so he went very fast, and then he was all out down the lane and struggling to finish the work, then those are two opposite works uh, with the same time. So that's right. where it can get a little, it, it can get a little tricky, um, you know, looking at workouts in, in the form, um, you know, it'd be great if every time you scroll over a workout, it would the video would pop up or or comments from a, a workout analyst would pop up and, and give you an idea. But, um, yeah, working solo, you know, I, I just kind of look at how the horse is doing it, how they're striding out. The ears are really big on a horse. You know, the ears are like antennas. Obviously, the horses can't talk to us, but they can uh, through their body uh, motions and body language, they can tell us how they're feeling. And so when you see a horse that's got their ears pricked coming down the lane, they're doing it very easy, easy. They're very alert. Um, you know, one thing I really love is when you see one ear pricked and you see the other ear kind of cocked back and flicking back and forth, 
that tells me that the horse is, is very smart and that ear flicking back and forth is basically telling the rider, okay, what do you want me to do? I, I can do more if you want it, or I'll just stay right here. So, hmm. um, you know, hands of the rider and then the ears on the horse are, are two big things. And and then when you move over to company works, you know, horses that work together, two or more horses that work together. Um, the first thing I kind of pay attention to is um, who the other horse is. So that kind of gives you an idea into what the trainer's mindset is. So um, you know, if, um, they're working a, a horse, you know, that's a maiden with a stakes horse and then they obviously work together and they do it well, then this guy must think this maiden's got some real ability. Obviously he's working this horse together with a stakes horse and, and he's holding his own. Um, you know, I think you have to, um, you want to see those competitive juices too. I mean, even, um, easy half miles. I mean, uh, Brandon, can attest to this with Brad Cox. I mean, even, even easy half miles going in 50, you know, he's still working his horses and company because he wants them to be competitive. He right. doesn't want them to get out there and get lazy and, and kind of slack off. I mean, even if it's an easy half mile and make more of a maintenance half mile in 50, he, you know, he still wants them to be competitive. And I, and I like that. I mean, that's, that's important to me too. Um, so, you know, with the company works, you're just kind of looking for that competitiveness. Once again, I still am looking for all the other, their signals with the body language as far as like actual timing goes it, it's important i mean it kind of kind of just gives you perspective on the workout um I, I personally like to see horses that can go fairly easy early but then can turn on the jets late um you know you've got a horse that maybe works 47 and 47 flat you know maybe they go 24 for the opening quarter and then they they finish the last quarter in 23 flat. You know, at Churchill, if you're finishing, you know, 23 flat or or even in the 22 area, that's really motor and home. Um, yeah. That gives you an idea that that the horse has some kick. And then, yeah. um, you, you know, we always want to watch the gallop outs too. Um, you know, so I, I don't make a huge deal of it. Some trainers like like a Brad Cox, um, they might do a lot more on the gallop out versus some <laughs> some guys like 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 a D D Wayne Lucas that. Uh, you know, basically at the wire, his horses get pulled up, you know, so it, it just depends on the trainer. And I think that's just where experience comes in. You get to know the different styles. You know, we talk about it on the workout show all the time that that, uh, you know, for Steve Asmussen, the last uh, usually the last work before the race is going to be that prototypical half mile and 50. You know, it's just it's just whatever, you know, the trainer's style is. But, um, you know, you, you try to pay attention to all of it and then you try to form the best opinion that you can. But uh, for people just starting out, I think, um, you know, watching the body language of the horse and then also watching the rider's hands and, and just kind of seeing how much so how much pressure they're applying. You know, those are two easy things you can kind of start looking at right away. Well, you, you actually touched on something a moment ago, kind of leading to the next question. As, as we know, you are privy to a lot of, of physical evidence. You're watching a workout. You have access to a lot of videos. But the majority of people who come to the racetrack don't have access to that. Or they don't know where to get it. And they're just looking at that blank workout tab in the Brisnet PPs, the daily racing form, whatever. So let's say you had nothing else to go on and you were just looking at the workout tab like 90% of the people. Uh, what jumps out to you there? I mean, I, obviously, we know a lot of things, but some of the casual people may not know as much. You're looking at the blank workout tab. What are you looking for? Yeah. So um, one of the first things I'll look at is the gate works. Um, you know, I think for young horses, particularly um, speed usually wins the baby races. So uh, I'd like to see a, a particularly fast gate workout. It doesn't have to be a bullet, but, um, you know, the workout rankings that are next to the time, let's say that uh, 60 horses work that day. 
if it's, you know, 15 or below, or maybe it's, you know, it was the eighth best to 60. I mean, that kind of catches my eye a little bit. I want to see some gate speed versus maybe another horse that worked, you know, 103 out of the gate, um, you know, in particular, faster gate workouts usually translate to the horse breaking well and maybe having a little bit of speed. Um, I, I do like a steady pattern. I mm-hmm. don't like to see a ton of, um, you know, gaps in the tab. I know some trainers can kind of overcome that sometimes, but in particular, I like to see a steady pattern. And I like to kind of see, too, that, um, you know, maybe they start out with, you know, three furlong, four furlong, five furlong. And then I like to see them move back a little bit, maybe right. sharpen the speed. You know, maybe we've got the stamina built up. They're coming back with sharper works that, that seem to be getting a little better. Um, you know, I think that's the best way to approach it. Uh, start with the gate workouts. And, and then we're talking about young horses here, uh, baby, baby races any maiden race, you know, check out the gate works first. And, and that might give you an idea of maybe if this horse has some speed uh, and, and then kind of go from there, start looking for that, those stamina works. And then, like I said, I really do like to see that uh, after the stamina works, the five furlong, six furlong works are done. Do they come back and maybe try to sharpen the speed with a couple of quick half miles? Hey, CC, you want to jump in here? I'm sure you've got some workout uh, questions you wouldn't mind asking. Well, Brandon, I was just curious, is there a, like a black market for, for clocker info on the backside? Is there a lot of private clockers back there now? I mean, it's a fairly important product that's come along in the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I think that it probably happens. Um, you know, I mean, even, even for instance, you know, I mean, I think trainers scout other trainers' horses out there. I mean, particularly in the claiming game, um, you know, whether it's even like Maiden, maiden 30s, Maiden made in fifties, maybe somebody's trying to get a first time starter. That's really, you know, cranked and ready to go. It's got some speed. Maybe they're trying to steal one. I mean, you know, everybody's looking at that kind of stuff nowadays. The, the morning training has become so popular. Um, it, you know, it, it started out, seems like in Southern California and then, uh, it, it translated here to Kentucky and, and New York and Florida. And now you've got a workout report for basically all the major tracks. Um, it's, it, the market's kind of, become flooded a little bit um so you know i mean i think it's uh it's something that really piqued my interest i mean when i found out that you could actually um get reports on how the horses were training in the mornings almost like inside information i mean i just thought that was the coolest thing as as a kind of an up-and-coming handicapper and uh you know just wanted to learn more but um you know now there's so many eyes out there in the mornings it's it's just hard to get anything past you know these guys they're they're so smart and uh, the trainers, you know, see everything and, um, you know, everybody wants to take an edge, whether it's, um, you know, in handicapping or it's actually right. uh, in, in the actual business with the racing game. Well, Brandon, let's switch gears a little bit. I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but well, I guess I'm getting ready to. Have you had a chance to, to look at uh, any of the weekend stakes races at Saratoga, specifically the, the Travers? Yeah, I looked at the Travers. I know the PPs just came out. I mean, we kind of we kind of know the players. Um, you know, I, there's a couple of horses that um, you know, obviously in the um, Allen Jerkins were. We've got a potential blockbuster matchup there with uh, Jackie's Warrior, who um, is just a phenomenal uh, sprinter, probably best at this uh, seven six and a half. And then you've got Life Is Good coming back with. Uh, with Todd Pletcher now, you know, the workouts I've been able to view on XPTV look, look pretty good. Uh, Mike Smith's in town to 
obviously uh, take that mount. So, um, you know, I'll be looking forward to that race. I think they're, they're going to throw down early and, and often. I mean, it's going to should be a, just a fantastic race. And then, um, you know, obviously with the Foley's um, having our horses and, and a close relationship with them, really looking forward to seeing Sconson um, in the uh, uh, honorable miss. Uh, she, sh- or excuse me, the ballerina, she shipped in and um, looks like drew post five. So, um, she's one that's just always trained phenomenal. Um, she's just working nothing but bullets. I think she's going to fire a big one. She's got Irad to take the call. Um, obviously, Gamine's going to be tough, but uh, she didn't beat by Gamine that much. And and so I would say those two races um, really piqued my interest. And then obviously with the Travers, which I we you know we can talk about that race. I've been watching the workouts for those horses um, through the magic of the internet. Uh, that's going to be a, a great race too. Yeah, uh, if you could, if I could put you on the spot right now, you know, give me a, a selection in the Travers, maybe uh, something to partner with Essential Quality and an Exacta. Sure. Um, you know, when the race is drawn today, you know, the first thing you kind of notice is um, you've got a lot of horses that maybe like to kind of be mid pack or or even a couple that like to be out the back. Um, you know, I think Midnight Bourbon was really helped by the rail draw because I think the mission's pretty clear here. This is a horse that uh, likes to be forward, has a, shows a lot of energy in the mornings and, um, you know, did at Churchill during Derby Week, you know, famously got loose on the backside after the workout and then, um, you know, almost won the Preakness. And then um, last time, you know, I had some issues, obviously late in the race, clipped heels and, and fell, but uh there was all, he was also part of a, a little bit of a pace duel up front. I mean, to me, it looks like in this race, he's got a potential um, with Ricardo getting aboard, particularly who, who's riding great up there, to possibly um, get a little bit loose up front. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be completely just lone speed, but um, Mask of Parade, the other one that maybe shows some speed from the outside. I have a feeling Mayna will be close, but maybe not up in – Ricardo's throat. So um, I, I really think Midnight Bourbon was helped a lot by the draw and, and could take this field a long way. Um, you know, distance might be stretching it out a little bit, but look, I mean, it's a tis now, um, you know, bred to get better with age. Second start off of the layoff, um, the horse worked with Max Player um, on August 15th at Saratoga. On the inside, was in hand most of the way, never let Max Player by. Um, hmm. You know, right now, right now, I think that that um, that Midnight Bourbon is is one you definitely want to pay attention to. Um, and, and look, I mean, this Steve Asmussen, Asmussen, obviously knows how to get a horse ready for a big race. So um, you wonder if this this layoff was kind of by design. You know, running the Haskell and then second start off the layoff, you come back in the Travers. Um, sounds pretty good to me. The other one that I would maybe keep an eye on who seems to be getting really good right now doesn't win a lot of races but um gave essential quality everything he wanted last time is keep me in mind um i've noticed with his training he seems to be much more uh aggressive in the mornings but he seems like it's a good kind of aggressive he's not throwing the head up in the mornings uh, i was able to go back and watch uh the august 14th work the bullet best of 80 he's he's pulling the whole work but he's not really aggressively pulling he, he's just ready to go the rider's doing a great job of, of keeping him relaxed and he's just seems to be thriving I mean I, I liked this horse uh going back to the juvenile he was only beating two links there 
to essential quality, a 30 to one. They've experimented with blinkers. Uh, last time I thought he ran a great race. I, I, I even thought last time too, uh, coming up the rail, maybe the rail wasn't the greatest place to be. I know essential quality was wide most of the race, but, um, it just seemed like Rosario had a ton of force. And then when he went up the rail, I mean, it was a good decision at the time. He just seemed like he kind of just was, um, more one paced and, and maybe that's just him, but, uh, I would say, um, that keep me in mind and midnight bourbon would be two that, uh, I may even try to beat essential quality with, oh. uh, I think, essential, I, I think essential quality, um, you know, obviously he just loves to win races. I mean, seven for eight lifetime, you know, he's not a flashy workhorse. I mean, I think that's one thing we, we found out, um, you know, when he was two, I mean, he, he was, a, he was a good workhorse, but particularly during Derby week, you know, you saw that he's just, that's not him. And you see the same thing when you're watching these workouts, um, at Saratoga, he's working with Bonnie South, in company they're going fast particularly obviously that uh august 14th work 59 and 2 they're going fast but he's not blowing anything away he just kind of does what he needs to do in the mornings but he always shows up in the afternoon so um it'll be interesting to see what what Sayas does out of the gate um the pace figures have improved for essential quality and you know do they try to stay a little closer to midnight bourbon or do they tuck in you know i, I have a feeling they're going to probably try to stay pretty close but um you know, I, I, I like those three. I mean, I think that, um, you know, from a from a betting perspective, um, you know, maybe if you're looking at A versus B kind of thing, I, I, I may try to try to use keep me in mind and, and Midnight Bourbon as A's and maybe try to use a central quality as B. And that's just more price standpoint. And then particularly with possible pace set up with Midnight Bourbon. And, and then also the fact keep me in mind, uh, you know, ran so well last time and he looks like he's he's thriving right now. So. Um, the other ones to me kind of have to step up a little bit. I know dynamic one's going to get a lot of play and he, he trained great during Derby week. I was disappointed with his Derby effort. Obviously he, um, he just, it was almost just a throwout race. He ran great last time. I don't think he really beat much in the curling stakes. Uh, miles D is in here. I've, I've watched a, a few of miles D's workouts. Um, you know, one, uh, one workout before the curling, he, he got beat by his workmate, uh, who he's been working with after the curling. One of his last workouts, he was just completely washed out. Um, hmm. You know, he's, he's, he seems he seems okay. He seems like a really nice horse, but I just don't know if he's this kind of kind of quality. Um, you know, I think dynamic one, it's a little bit interesting. Uh, Pletcher's kind of, it almost seems like he's backed off a little bit out of the curl. And um, he's just come back with two very slow half miles. It looks like they're just teaching him to finish and, and then gallop out strong. So, He'll be coming late. Um, I, I just kind of like the others maybe to get the jump, but uh, dynamic one would be one that's, you know, obviously going to get on the scene late, but uh, he would be more of a, of a C type player for me. Hey, Hey, Brandon, uh, real quick before uh, King Fury in this race, uh, a lot of, what do we do with King Fury? What, what have you seen from him in the mornings? Because McPeaks had his issues at Saratoga where he wasn't allowed to erase his horses so they all got set back a little bit. And then I think out of desperation, he put this horse on the turf last time as a prep for the Travers, which I'm sure was not his initial game plan. And the horse ran poorly. But, you know, I don't know how much they were trying to get out of that race. Is What are we seeing from him in the mornings? Or have you seen anything from him? Again, McPeak's plans have been kind of altered. And does that affect his chances in this spot? 
Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, it's a guessing game a little bit. Uh, I really liked his work right before the Derby, and then, you know, he gets scratched, and then he uh, doesn't show up again till Ohio. He runs a great race there. And then, like you said, they throw him on the turf. I mean, you know, it's just – it's a little bit unconventional. Um, the, the one workout that I saw on August 21st, um, you know, it looked like the jock uh, – I guess Jose was possibly on him. Um, it looked like they um, were, were asking him pretty good past the wire. Um, to me, I, you know, I, I thought it was just kind of an okay work. I didn't think it was one of those wow works, but maybe that's not what they were looking for. But he was, you know, Jose was kind of flagging the stick several times. He was tapping on him to kind of pick it up. I, I just kind of wanted to see a little more. Um, for me, he would be one that, uh, you know, if I'm going to go a little deeper, I, I would throw in as a backup. But, um, yeah, I just I just would like to see a little more uh, maybe from him. But uh, maybe third start off the layoff, he's going to, come back with a bang up race. I mean, there wasn't a lot of pace in the Ohio Derby and he came running for, uh, for second, uh, just missed by a half length, but, uh, you know, the pedigree's there. He's just gonna, he's going to need to step it up. And, you know, yeah. I think if you, if you get the 15 to one morning line or you get more than that, I mean, I think that, you know, that's going to be fair odds for you to find out. Yeah. I was just curious if we could expect a turf to dirt explosion, but, uh, from him, because I don't know what to do with him. I've always respected the horse. I love the horse. I love McPeak, but, Coming off that, that last turf, there was just kind of a no-show in the turf. I like seeing something. So just curious if you'd see anything from him in the mornings. Uh, any yeah, any just, other questions? Okay. No, I'm good. Uh, Mr. Jaggers? I, I think Latruska is going to be really hard to tackle. But there's a lot of speed in some of these races that I'm just – it's going to be, I mean, flat out. They're going to be breaking some records if that if the weather holds up up there. It's been rainy, like – 20 out of the 27 days <laughs> it's been a, a tremendous amount of rain up there so but i'm looking forward to it i'm, I'm still on harvey's little goyle from morning workouts before month you know months ago but i, I still love that horse can they beat latruska brandon Stavel? can they can they beat her yeah of course everybody can be beaten um you know swiss skydiver coming back pretty pretty um on pretty short rest is a little bit interesting um you know, Dunbar Road, you know, is she the same same mayor? You know, I don't know. Bonnie South kind of threw in a, a little bit of a clunker last time. Um, you know, uh, I, I would love to see a Swiss skydiver Latruska battle down the stretch. I mean, that would be epic for Saratoga. And, and like uh, Brandon said, I mean, Harvey's Little Goyle is a little bit interesting. Um, you know, ran okay in the Alabama, was just beaten five lengths, um, probably has gotten better since then. So uh, picks up Luis Saez. I mean, you know, definitely one I would I would be interested in. The other thing, too, is if you um, you know, if you want to do a little homework, um, usually on the undercard races and the maiden races, we're, usually there's some some stars unleashed. So, um, you know, when you go through these maiden races, you, you know, you can get over and, and watch some of these workouts on the Internet. But, uh, you know, dig into these races because, um lots of times that on these maiden races, you're going to see some future stars. Yeah, definitely. So, well, I'll tell you what, Brandon, we appreciate you stopping by today. We are really, really, well, I'm not just saying it. we're looking forward to the brilliant partnership, but uh, we should have done it before. Now we're going to do it this year. We'll probably do it in the future. And I wish we could jump in a little bit higher, a lot higher base, but uh, we are looking forward to it. We appreciate you coming by and, Tell us more about it. I think we're going to have one of your buddies on in the near future to discuss perhaps a little bit more about it. 
by the name of Mr. Christofek, but that's for another time and place. And sharing your workout knowledge with us. We do appreciate it, and we wish you the best of luck. We hope there's more winners coming for you guys, and we hope there's more coming in this new partnership because, you know, we'd like to hit the winner's circle ourselves. So, again, thank you very much for stopping by, Brandon. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Um, you know, the one thing I'll just say to kind of cap off the whole brilliant conversation is, um, you know, I think our partnership really tailors for to people that are really um, looking to kind of make that next jump up. Maybe they've dabbled in horse partnership a little bit, whether it's, you know, through the micro shares or, or, or with a buddy or with a claiming horse or something like that. You know, if you're if you've always thought about you know, kind of stepping up to that next level. I, I think Brilliant Racing fits you perfectly. We're not, uh, you know, we're not the heavy hitters yet, um, but we're not exactly the small guy either. And we're really making a name for ourselves. So, um, you know, definitely reach out to us if, if you feel like you're, you're maybe interested. Uh, you can go to brillianthorseracing.com or you can hit us uh, on the email. It's very easy, brilliantracing at gmail.com. Sounds good. Are you? I tell you what, if you want to get hold of me or CC or Brandon, we'll get you in touch with them too, guys. So uh, we hope we hope people join on because we'd like to meet everybody out the racetrack and uh, again get some photos taken about 200 of our closest friends. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what about uh, you know one thing we didn't even touch on the money at Churchill is just ridiculous. Exactly. Right? The purse exactly. Money, uh, it's going to get know, better. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it kind of makes sense, you know, if you're going to get involved on a little bit of a higher level, do so in Kentucky. Yes, without question. Uh, uh, if you people haven't seen these, what these purses are, what these, these horses are running for, uh, I mean, you're going to make your money back. Let's put it that way. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that down the road. But again, thank you, Brandon. Appreciate you stopping by and best of luck at the Travers this week in addition to that. OK. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Brandon Stobble of Brilliant Racing and a fast horse running somewhere near you in the future, hopefully. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. Very happy to have Brandon on. We'll try to be brief here to end the podcast, maybe in the next 10 or 12 minutes. We're, we're going to try to handicap all six grade one races at Saratoga on Saturday, the big card, the Travers, the Midsummer Derby. But we're going to kick it off with race number seven and we don't have morning lines the, the card was drawn on wednesday and we're looking at this on wednesday night race seven of course is the ballerina seven furlongs grade one half million dollar purse for phillies and mares three and up and there's no doubt that the favorite is going to be on the rail and that's gamine very controversial horse for a very controversial trainer written <laughs> by john velasquez i'm sure gamine's probably going to be in the neighborhood of four to five alan we'll go to you first you mean yes or no? <sighs> uh, no, what the hell? Why? Let's make this fun, okay? I mean, you said four to five. I think she'll be probably one to two. Uh, Bafford hasn't exactly been, you know, setting the world on fire since his troubles came back. He's got the rail. She's got the rail. Why not? What What fun is that? Give me. Uh, you're not supposed to bet with your heart. You're supposed to bet with your head. I'm going I'm to I'm pick this race with my heart. I'm taking Sconson seven furlongs. She made, she made a move on Derby Day against Gamine. Gamine just had too much in the tank. But uh, maybe something happens. Maybe Gamine breaks slow, and maybe I get seven to one on the Foley's. And I've been on Sconson since she was a baby. Uh, I'll take Sconson in this spot. Um, not the smartest, maybe not the smartest weight driver, but I'm going to bet with my heart here and take Sconson. Alan, I don't, th- I don't think you're wrong at all. you got a big heart, man. Oh, 
I'm going with you, buddy. I think Sconson is, is improving. Took on Gamine before. That's really where Sconson, to us, really got on the map. I mean, she won the eight bells. Don't get me wrong. It was a great race. But when you go against a Baffert, and who knows how the hell that horse has been training Gamine. But uh, I like the Foley's taking a stand, shipping up. Seven furlongs is the right, is the, definitely the right distance for this horse. Uh, but I also want to include... Uh, Mike McCarthy fan, Justin Curran, CC. I think this horse is real live. I, think I like the name. Curran's... I like the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah CC from our, our yeah. And, uh, but I, I think CC's right at the distance. This is the sprint. I'm just still worried about the weather on that Saturday. But CC has been training lights out. I've been hearing good things. So I'm CC in Sconson. CC, are you on CC? Uh, I'll use her. I, Gamine, it looks like lone speed. I don't know if anybody's going to be within two links of her early. I, know, I think she's going to be two to five, one to two. So Yeah, but, you know, uh, Baffert is over for two at Saratoga, but he's done all right at Del Mar. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Gamine's probably going to win. She's the A. Sconson and CC are Bs for me. Race eight is the Fargo, grade one, $600,000, seven furlongs on the dirt. For four and up, uh, I don't think Lexatonian would be the favorite here. Um, but this is evenly matched, in my opinion. I, I can't even really figure out a favorite. Maybe Whitmore at like seven to two or something like that. Brandon, we'll go to you first. Who do you like in the forego? I think it's a Whitmore type race. Seven furlongs is Whitmore uh, the speed. You know, is it, that's a good distance for the horse. It was coming on late last time. Against Lexingtonian, Lexingtonian ran his eyeballs out, and I was huge on Lexingtonian. I proved it to our listeners. I put it on. He Twitter. did. I had the exact. I went across the board. I did everything to Lexingtonian. I even had him in the pick five single in my pick five ticket. I was so high on that horse that day. I want that horse to win again, and that's betting from the heart again. I don't think you'll get thirty-four to one, but. I'm very big on the horse, I, I, but what I'm going to do, I, I've got to take three horses just because it just doesn't seem like a, there's anybody else in this race besides maybe Forensic Fire or Yapon, but I'm not on them. I'm going Mischievous Alex, Whitmore. I really think it's Whitmore's time to take this one down, but gosh, this guy keeps, he is talking about a hard knocker. He just won't stop. Mischievous Alex is only two at Saratoga. So I think this horse is going to get a lot of money, and I think it's going to burn a lot of money because it's not going to win. So really, Lex and Tony's my top choice, Whitmore, and Mischievous Alex is third. So, mischievous, mischievous Alex for Safi Joseph, is he's having a horrible meet. Horrible meet. Yeah, one for 31. He also trains uh, Chancet, who's probably going to be somewhat of a long shot. But, uh, yeah, Safi Joseph has been no bueno so far. Uh, Alan, who do you like? Hey, man, I tell you what, I'll take the horse that uh, has traditionally uh, run big at Saratoga, loves the seven furlong distance, and is now in the Todd Pletcher barn to boot. Give me mind control in this spot. Uh, first start for Pletcher. Uh, they gave him a little tune-up at Belmont on the 4th of July, and the horse showed uncharacteristic speed in uh, in Todd's care. So uh, we know the horse likes the distance. We know the horse likes the track. And it looks like off that win against Forenze Fire and Three Technique, a couple of nice horses. Uh, this horse might have been pointed for this spot. So I'll take the distance 
specialist, the Saratoga specialist, and a horse that's tractable, a horse that can do a bunch of different things, can, can stalk, can come from mid-pack, can go to the front. So I'll take mind control in the spot. Give me number seven, Yapon, in a race yeah. that surprisingly lacks a Agreed. pace. Uh, Yapon should be on or near the lead. What I really like about this uh, in a race that features Whitmore, in the past, Ricardo Santana has taken off of Steve Asbuchen horses to, ra- to ride Whitmore. Uh, this time he lands on Yapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opts for Yapon out. With that said, you, you can go broke trying to figure out the jockey game. Moquette uh, mm-hmm. went and uh, recruited Joel Rosario to ride Whitmore. But I think I'm going to lean toward Yapon and Ricardo Santana. Uh, maybe go wire to wire. This horse has only raced twice as a four year old. I'm waiting for that big uh, four year old boost. I think we might get it here. Uh, like I said, lightly raced, uh, third start off layoff. I think this horse is primed for a big effort. Race number nine is the Alan Jerkins Memorial, formerly the King's Bishop, seven furlongs, half million dollars, four three-year-olds. Very, very important race. Very important race for the stud book. It's a lot of these horses will be uh, viewed as future stallions. I've got to think, barely, Jackie's Warrior is going to be a, what, maybe seven to five favorite over uh, number six, Life is Good, who's probably going to be somewhere in the vicinity of nine to five, eight to five. Fair uh, enough. Alan, uh, Let's go to you first. Uh, Jackie's Warrior or Life is Good or somebody else? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of Drain the Clock. Uh, I, I think the horse might be – I think the horse ran much, much better than people gave gave him credit for last time. That said, uh, this – I mean, the pace in this race is going to be insane, right? I mean, there are six horses in this race, and, I, I mean, they all want the lead. And Life is Good and Jackie's Warrior on another planet – early speed-wise than the rest of the horses. So I don't know how this plays out, to be honest with you. Uh, if I could defer, I would. I mean, I think Jackie's Warriors is the one to beat after off that last effort, but th- th- this pace could go any which way, right? I mean, either one of these guys runs the other one off their feet, um, and the following season, he's a pretty darn good horse, too. I mean, we you could go on and on in this one. I, I think it's a – I think it's a heck of a race that's going to have one wild pace. And I wish I had more of an answer, but I guess I would default to Jackie's word, but that's boring. But I just think this is going to be one wicked race. Yeah. A lot of speed in this race. I don't know who the hell's going to go first. Life is good. Is going to be very, I, I think we'll sit maybe off Jackie's warriors. Probably. That might uh, be the difference too. But I, I tell you, I got a difference maker in here. Not not well raised, not a whole lot going, and getting and cutting back to ground to go to seven furlongs just following seed. I think this is good. This horse could have a price, maybe five, six, seven to one. I don't think it's gonna be twenty because there's just not enough horses. But uh, out of this six horse field, following seed to me is gonna be a big surprise. I hope uh, based on early speed figures and, and how it paces. And uh, I think Todd just kind of took a big shot with going to the Haskell. Still got third, but placed second through the DQ. I mean, you're not going to beat Hot Rod Charlie and Mandaloon. So I, I think really following C is 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 quite a a big surprise to these uh, other sprinters in this in this category. So that, that's what I, that's what I got. That's a long shot, but I'm taking it. CC. I kind of agree with you. 
uh, that horse was able to relax in the Haskell. You know, he, he went 47-1, 110-3. He didn't run off. He's He's gone. He's been able to go 21-4, and 44-4 in the past. But, uh, yeah, he, he should be able to, to settle behind what might be a nuclear meltdown and come yeah. running late. So, I... I think we're going to, I'm going to single elsewhere, so I, I can probably get by with you, Jackson's Warrior, following C, and life is good. That's that's uh, the coward's way out, but that's how I'm going to play it. Uh, race 10, another good one. The personal incident, mile and an eighth, $600,000, Phillies and mares. No doubt who the favorite is going to be here. It's going to be the top mare in America, number six, Latruska, for Fausto Gutierrez and Arad Ortiz. We last saw Latruska winning the Fleur de Lis at Churchill on closing day. Brandon, I think we've already talked about this. Yeah, we did. Uh, Latruska is obviously a beast, but my big play and a big, big surface change is Harvey's Little Goyle. I mean, the morning workouts show this horse on dirt and doing so well on dirt. You know, you don't see many turf workouts, if at all, within the, the workout tab. But, I mean, it, the horse is a turf horse, but I think it could cross over to the Saratoga dirt. And you don't know what you're going to get. If it gets a little sloppy, I don't know if they'll keep the, the horse on or scratch. But uh, I think Harvey's little Goyle, I love how this horse has always worked out, especially for the Breeders' Cup in November. I watched the morning works in person and saw this horse gallop out like a monster. Mile and eighth, I think, suits the horse just fine. Loves distance. So let's see what we get with Harvey's Little Goyle against Latruska. They've never gone up against each other that I know about. Yeah. No. And uh, that's kind of my only real shot here. And then kind of a B horse is God, the Baffert horse. As time <laughs> goes by, uh, give it a, I give it a B. It's working out phenomenally in the morning. Like I said, Mike Smith, we've, you know, he's in town for a reason. Uh, Baffert's going to probably get one. I, I, I don't know. As time goes by, as my B horse, uh, but Latruska, when I just I see her race, when she wore the Florida Lee here, it looks so damn easy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I, I, you know, I me. Mean, I like to go contrary. I like to come up with some angles to beat some horses. And I mean, there's some good horses in the spot, but man, I think Latruska airs this field. Uh, Latruska, I was on Avatant, uh last time. And the Florida League, and I thought I'm, I thought Amaton didn't run that badly. It's just Latruska, just on another planet. It was just on another planet that day. The horse is 15 for 20 lifetime, and the scary thing is she's never been better. She, there was a lot of questions about her going a mile and eight that day. She, there was no problem at all. Uh, she'd be trying the same thing today, and it seems like since the effort in the Florida League, when people thought maybe remember they thought she might be coming back too quick, a little bit. Um, She's, the work tab is sensational since then. She hasn't missed a step of working like a jet. Uh, There's some good horses in this race. I think Royal Flags are a really nice runner for Chad Brown and Will Farish. But, man, I, it's it's got to be Latruska for me. I'm going to go chalk. Yeah, I'm going to try to beat Latruska every time from here on out. I mean, she's run some huge numbers. And I think that, you know, at some point you're going to squeeze the lemon dry. Uh, I think maybe the fly in the ornament for, for Latruska could be with, uh, as time goes by, with Baffert, the two-horse. Fair enough. Well, Mike Smith's riding. And you, 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 you tossed the last race because she stumbled out of the gate. She had she didn't get position. She's got some gate speed. 
when she breaks alertly. And Mike Smith's crazy enough to probably maybe put some pressure on Latruska early if they can get to her. Or at least make a middle move and make Latruska work a little bit harder. And if that's the case, I think Latruska could get a little leg worry late. And so horses like Dunbar Road and Bonnie South, Royal Flag, Harvey's Little Goyle. Although I think she's better. I think Harvey's Little Goyle is in the wrong race. She needs to be in the sword dancer a mile and a half against the males. But we'll talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, for me, and, of course, you can't leave out Swiss Skydiver, who's just a phenomenal right. filly. Uh, that so, last race wasn't bad for Swiss Skydiver, either. That race is probably better than it looked. Honestly. No, no, especially going through what that barn's gone through with the quarantine and all that. Yeah. I thought that, that was a tremendous effort for her. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to try to beat her. I'm going to rely mainly on Bonnie South, Swiss Skydiver. And... Yeah, uh, those two mainly, and then maybe a little Dunbar Road. Although I'm not as high on her as as I am the other two. So I got. I always feel like Dunbar Road's got to touch a, a plotter. Yeah, that's to her, You know what I mean? She's had some kind of throat surgery recently, but I don't know when the, it wasn't. I think it was between the uh, La Troyenne and the Shoe V. So she mm-hmm. didn't lick in the Shoe V. So I, you know, but they did scratch her. They scratched her out of the 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 uh, restricted stake on Sunday for this spot. So maybe she's, she's doing well. And you get Flavian Pratt. Yeah. Flavian Pratt's fantastic. If I was going to go too deep in this race and I very well might, I, I think I might use Royal flag as the alternate. I, I, I love that horse's last race. I love the way she finishes and such. So if, if, if I'm following the train of thought that you are, and I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. If I'm going to find an alternate, I think I might use Royal flag. I just, I just think this horse is still got, is still getting better. Well, this is a, it's a very good race, so yeah, it race. is. Oh, this is exciting! I can't wait for this. Royal Flag beat Horologist last time. Horologist won, aired. Yeah, the Summer Colony, but like 800 lengths. So, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm. Those are the two I'm focusing on. But I, I do like, I do like your points on, uh, on the, and same thing, Brandon. I like everybody's thoughts on that, that race. You know, Horologist though. Don't forget, we beat her. Don't forget. <laughs> you got it. All right. All right. Race 11. Now we've got two more to go. It's the Sword Dancer, a mile and a half on the grass. Uh, this race continues to get worse and worse every year. And this is no <laughs> exception. This is uh, for a great one. This race used to, I remember Manila ran in this race, theatrical. I mean, it's just, you know, they they bring horses from overseas. I think Flintshire won this race twice, maybe, or something like that. And now, you know, you get this mess. And I think the favorite is either going to be the Railhorse Tribute Van for Chad Brown, just came off a win in the United Nations, or the Aiden O'Brien trained Japan, who's shipping in from Ireland. Uh, and Ryan Moore is, is flying over to ride, which that's a vote of confidence. But, uh, Alan, we'll go to you first. In the Sword Dancer, who do you like? I think Gufo might be favored. I might be wrong, but I, that's just a guess. I mean, he's he got so much love for his third place finish at domestic spending and travel van. I think Gufo's going to take some money. But uh, the horse you did mention the most, uh, or, or that's who I would go with. I would go with Travi Van. Uh, uh, but number one is Flavian Prant on a speed horse, who has got some got some um, got some ground underneath her now after coming out, you know, mile and a quarter race, mile and three eighths. Uh, you give me Flavian Pratt uh, coming to this coast. The horse can be sent from the rail. 
might lope out there at a mile and a half. There's a little speed in the race, but I've never been a believer in channel maker at all. I know he's flopped into a few wins. I think Travis Van would get the uh, lead over channel maker. I think he's a better horse. So there's a pair that intrigue me as such as Gufo, Japan. I'm a fan of Rock Emperor. If you give me Flavian Prant with the rail with the speed horse, that's where I'm at going a mile and a half. Give me a Travi Van. Yeah, Alan, I'm with you. That's my top choice, too. Um, I hate this race. I'm just, <laughs> how many times have I seen Channel Maker? Like, I agree with times. I don't know who you're going to get at all with this horse. I mean, he has great form in 20, won definitely some good races then. And I mean, is he going to repeat? Because I think he, yeah, he won this last year. So uh, I, I just don't know. I, I, I'm not real excited about it, if you can hear it in my voice. Yeah. I mean, watch Mike Maker win with Luis Saez. I don't well, know. Well, the horse is sick. There's, there's something that loves, loves a turf course. Cross-border absolutely loves a Saratoga turf course. Six for seven with the same. And you get Luis Saez. It's one you probably might be kicking yourself after the race. It was that easy. But, yes, you're right. Cross-border and Luis Saez can be very tough in here. Yeah, I'm not excited. I'm probably going to go three deep, but – I mean, you can almost pick any one of them. I mean, a Chad Brown in here, which he's got how many? Two? Yeah. Three. I, I, I just don't know. Craig, what do, you, what do you think? I know one thing. I'm probably going to fade Japan. I just, that horse doesn't impress me. I went back right before we started recording, and I watched the milled stakes at Leopardstown, and that was nine furlongs. And I, I don't know. I just, it, it didn't excite me. This horse... He, he's okay. I mean, I, he's got a shot here just because he's a European facing our lesser horses, and he's he's run against decent runners at uh, Ascot, and he's running grade ones in Europe. But I, I, I'm not excited about him. I, I'm with Alan. I like Trivi Van a whole lot, just a matter of what Channel Maker does. If Channel Maker goes with him, it it could be an issue. But I think Trivi Van is in the best form, and, and the name escapes me, but. Uh, a horse that he beat in the United Nations came back to win the John's Call today. Serve the King, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. The John's Call. He was in the United Nations, so that that franked his form a little bit. But uh, this is the the uh, the Bowling Green was the mile and three eighths version of this race back on I think on Whitney Day, and that race cost me the pick five because I wound up hitting the all button here because I just didn't know what to do. And uh, and when I hit the all button, I, I cut out some horses in the last leg. And that's that's the one that that uh, I lost the last leg. So yeah, that that cost me maybe a thousand dollars. I'm not happy. Ooh. But Tribe Van made me a mint back in a uh, on was was that Belmont Day. Okay. I was really happy she held second that day. So I'm I'm gonna go with her again today. Him, I'm sorry, him. You know yeah. you got you got Moretti in here. Horse has never been on turf. I don't know. I don't know how to take that. I mean, you you show one turf work. Great, man. I really thank you. Uh, You make me wonder though if 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 it rains, maybe this is just a right. If something happens, and it's Medaglia Dioro, you know, he was entered today in the John's Call, and they scratched him. I think he may have been a main track only, but uh, that might be one. Anyway, Just in case something happens, Mike, in an easy graded placing or something, if a couple scratch out, there could be a couple different reasons there. All right, one to go is the Travers Midsummer Derby, one point 
$1.25 million, 10 furlongs on the dirt, and of course, the heavy favorite, four to five on the morning line. We do have the morning line on that one. That's essential quality. He's won the Jim Dandy, the Belmont, the Bluegrass, on and on and on. Two-year-old champ. I'll tell you what, he's going to be hard to beat here. Comes off a wide trip. I took the worst of it on both turns and still went on to beat Keep Me In Mind. It was a well-meant Robertino Diodoro charge. Uh, who wants it? Who wants to go first? I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'm with you. Again, this is not customarily the way I like to play. I've already picked Latruska, but I'm on a central quality. I know our buddy Brandon was figuring out ways to beat the horse, and I agree with him. Uh, I liked his thoughts, but I keep coming back to central quality in this fight, getting the two-hold with Luis Saez, okay? We... It seems the way Luis Saez has ridden this horse in the past, he's ridden it with extreme confidence. Like he, it's almost like he has a, a clock or a, um, uh, like he's a surveyor in his head. He knows exactly how much ground he can lose, how much ground he can forfeit, and still get the job done because he believes he's on the best animal. He did it in the Derby, although it didn't quite work out as they were kind of one pace down a stretch. He did it last time out in the Jim Dandy where he's like, you know what, I'm wide, but I'm clear. I'm wide, but I'm clear, but I'm going to beat these horses. I'm going to finish, and he's so strong. He finishes so well. So keeping that in mind, I can imagine he's going to have even more confidence drawn inside and probably should tuck into a half-a-decent spot behind the likes of a Midnight Bourbon. And if we go back to his maiden win at Churchill, if we all remember, he was trapped in behind horses, which and he, he, was, he, he couldn't get out. He was like a monster truck that day trying to run over horses. So... I take. I thought his. I thought his comeback was great. He was wide. Uh, like you said, Diodoro's horse. Keep me in mind. Had every right to beat him that day on the inside. I think he trips well. I think Saez just waits. And again, the horse doesn't isn't flashy. The horse doesn't win by a lot. But if if I've watched the horse win with wide trips and run well, and Saez knows what he has underneath him, I can't imagine he wouldn't even have a, a bigger advantage drawing the two hole today. So I'm on central quality. Who do I put with the horse? I don't know, to be honest with you. I think they're pretty evenly matched beneath it. I like Brandon's points about midnight bourbon, but um, maybe somebody can hit me with an exact partner. But I'm going to take the boring way out and take essential quality. I mean, keep me in mind, an essential quality have matched up on the work tabs in the morning after their last race in the Jim Dandy. What does that mean? I don't know. It's not giving much <laughs> indication to me of who's actually training better one way or the other. I, I'm, I'm tending to leap, leap, leap to keep me in mind. Oh. But, but I just don't see it. I mean, I, I want to have some price here, but if Essential Quality gets the trip, a better trip than last time, this horse is going to be really hard to deny. The horse needs a target, though. It Agreed. needs a target. Who's going to be the target? Maybe... Midnight bourbon, maybe. Uh, and maybe keep me in mind. So <coughs> I, I don't see much else. Maybe Miles D it goes as the as a fast runner up at top, but takes the try to take control or masquerade. But I don't see anything else in this race, and that's the only thing that worries me about Central Quality is not necessarily having a target. And you know, Sias is going to be kind of looking for somebody to go, and it's going to come down to who is it. And how how hard of a of a spot does essential quality have to give up to have that early morning or the early morning bunny? Yeah, 
the the <laughs> rabbit the chase going going this distance. So I don't think distance is a problem. Can essential quality keep coming back and really, you know, being urged every which way to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting? Horse has done it multiple times now, so it makes me think that there's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be hard to find more. But it needs a target, and if it's going to be midnight bourbon, I, I think we got a central quality. It's sitting in the two path, and not four or five yeah. wide. So agreed. That's all I can say that's different about this race. But keep me in mind, is is tried and tried and tried. This kind of looks like maybe a a secretariat versus. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Sham. Uh, Sham. Sham. Yeah. So. You know, Sham's never going to get the best of it. Or a CC so. versus Brandon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. One, uh, one quick note real quick before we turn it over to CC. Uh, one thing I don't – even I didn't realize it just as I'm going back over the PPs. Uh, we're looking at a potential uh, beater, um, uh, Victor, over Essential Quality. We're looking to keep me in mind. Let me point out real quick that Midnight Bourbon has won two career races. Keep me in mind has won one career race. Essential Quality is seven for eight. Those horses have had a penchant for not winning, whereas essential quality, all he does is win, win, win. So uh, if you look if you look at the, the PPs throughout, essential quality has almost as many wins as the rest of the field does. That's not saying these horses can't beat him, but I like his desire, his 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 desire to win more than I do some of these other horses. So that, that is actually shocking to me that that uh, keep me in mind has just but the the maiden win. That that is a little uh, shock. Even I didn't realize that. Go ahead, CC. Well, I don't know how you can bet keep me in mind to beat essential quality when on July 31st in the Jim Dandy, he couldn't beat essential quality with that trip. Uh, he rallied up the rail around the turn. Essential quality's in the five path, four, four or five path coming into the stretch. That was the day you needed to beat essential quality and it couldn't happen. So I don't, I, I can't, I can't use keep me in mind. Uh, Midnight Bourbon's going to be an outstanding horse at some point when, when the light bulb goes off. I don't know if it's gone off yet. I think it's a good sign with, you know, that horse, that horse, that looked awful in the Haskell. So the fact that Andrews is bringing this horse back in the Travers so quickly tells me that the horse is doing well. And I think, uh, I think he's the main threat. So I gave you all the winning trifecta last week. I told you Malathot with all with Army Wife. Agreed. We'll do it again this week. Essential so quality today, midnight bourbon in the exacta. And then we're gonna play essential quality with all with midnight bourbon in the try. Just play it as many times as you want. Yeah, because midnight bourbon likes to hit the board, doesn't like to win. And essential quality could be tracking this horse a stretch and then he tips out and goes by. I mean, I definitely can see that. Or uh I was hoping maybe uh Brandon uh, Staubel would give us a little more give me a little more positivity on King Fury. Uh, because again, I just don't know what to do with that horse. I love the horse, but I, there was just I just didn't see anything out of the turf race last time. So, but I think at, at, the, right, at the right price, you know, King Fury is usable. I, I say I think McPeak's going to be super live at Churchill in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, because he just got sent back. He got a, he got a bum rap at Saratoga. There's no question about it. Yeah, this is bad luck. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think when uh, Churchill opens, he's he's open for business in Keeneland too. With you 100% there because he does well in the, in the fall, anyways. His horses get more seasoning and they stretch yeah. out. That's when he pops. I mean, he's your he's your penultimate 20 to 1 winner uh, going a mile and 16th with a young horse. So, yeah, you're right. Keep an eye on McPeak 
in here in the state of Kentucky in the fall. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, happy to have Brandon Staubel aboard uh, to talk about uh, brilliant racing. Uh, happy to have Brandon Jaggers, as always. Yeah, of course. Ellis Park. Put more facilities in. Better conditions. Yeah, well, you're not going to have a talk about that. But uh, Wi-Fi. <laughs> and cold beer. Warm, warm beer? Warm beer or cold beer? It's actually perfect cold beer. Anyway. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's all. That's all for now. Um, on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, this is CC Broadus signing off and reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home. <laughs>